0: Open your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians. We're starting a new series today, uh, and this is a two-part thing. I'll teach the first part today, and next part will be in two weeks. Um, but whew, I feel like I just talked a lot really fast, and so I need to catch up my breath. My breath. Uh, the book of Galatians is 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 an amazing, amazing book. It's, it's a letter written by Paul to not just the church of the Galatians, but to several other churches that that read this, and definitely to us. And um, I never really do a verse-by-verse study of a book. Um, I have a lot of reasons why I don't do that, and why I do, how I how I do things. You know, I'm, I'm not saying one is better than the other or anything. This is just how. Lord has shown me, you know, for the purpose of transformation. But in this case, we're really gonna we're gonna read a lot of the book of Galatians. And I'm gonna read it out of the New Living Translation, and it'll be up on the screen as well. And we're gonna kinda stop and and go. And I'm gonna ask you that this week that, you know, if you if you have extra time to read more, that you would also study the book of Galatians on your own. It's only six chapters, and it's um it's a very relatable book to us in, in, in many ways. And so the question I have for you, you know, at the beginning of starting to read this is, am I religious? You know, am I religious? And when I say, am I religious? You know, I hate it when people say like, oh, so you're very religious. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not religious at all. I'm just a Christian. And I go to church like seven times a week. (laughs) Like, so you're very religious. I'm like, no, I'm not religious at all you know, and it kind of confuses people because the world think of, you know, religion as the thing that you do on Sunday mornings, you know, like whatever it is, wherever it is, that's just religion, and that, you know, it really bothers me because it's the religious people that actually killed Jesus, and, um, and I, you know, I don't want to be associated with that, you know, and so I'm a Christian because I'm a follower of Jesus, and, And so when we talk about religion or religious, we're referring to man-made rules that make no sense. Man-made rules with no purpose, okay? Or we're talking about people who are trying to live under the old covenant and impose that also over people today, okay? And so the book of Galatians is going to answer a lot of questions, and it really is breathing the grace message, okay? And I haven't taught on, the, on grace in a, in a long time, but, you know, grace is not a lot of things that people think it is. And the one thing that grace is not, and the Bible clearly says, is not, it's not a license to sin, okay? It's not, uh, grace isn't okay with sin, keep on doing it. It's, that's not grace, and it's been very misinterpreted, and it's kind of opened up a door for a lot of, uh, you know, do whatever you want, it doesn't matter, God will forgive you because of His grace, but that's not true. That's not really what God means. That's not the heart of God. And so I'll give you a quick definition of, of what grace is, or a picture per se, um, for us to understand. There's a lot of you that understand grace very well. There's a lot of you that have never heard this message. And there's, there's a lot of people that just with time kind of have fallen back on works and performance and, and doing things under the law. And we need to make sure that not just for ourselves, but also for people that we're telling about Jesus. That we're never putting them under the, under the law or under the old covenant. So grace f- gives us freedom, but it's not freedom to live in sin. It's not freedom to, you know, do whatever we want because it doesn't matter. No, that, that's not it at all. Are you with me? Like I go to one of those free churches and you can just do whatever you want. Like it's fine. Like nobody judges you. It's like a bar. Well... It's not like a bar, (laughs) you (laughs) know. But it is true that we won't criticize or judge you into changing. We will love you into transformation. But that's, that's out of a foundation of grace and an understanding of grace that we have cultivated for many, many years. Are you with me? Okay. This is making noises. Okay. All right. So a lot of people think of grace as this. You're in a well... You fell to the bottom of a well or a pit, right? And the rope that pulls you out of that ditch, out of that pit, you know, people think of that as grace. Oh, you know, thank God for his grace. He pulled me out of a horrible lifestyle, of a lifestyle of sin and condemnation and judgment, you know, like I, he pulled me out and they think that that's all that grace is, okay? Okay. When in fact, grace is much more than that. If we think grace is only that, then we're really watering down the amazing grace that God really has extended us. Okay? Jesus himself is the person of grace. Okay, The Bible says in John chapter 1 that in him came grace and truth. Like Jesus came and he brought the example, the impersonation of grace and truth. And so grace isn't just salvation, which is what a lot of people think. That it's just salvation, that it ends there, right? Grace is not just that rope, that ladder that pulls you out of the pit where you used to live. Grace is the rocket ship that empowers you to go further and higher and break through impossibilities and accomplish the purpose and the calling that God has called you for. Okay? So yes, grace pulls you out of the hole. But more than anything, grace is sitting there. It's that rocket ship now you're supposed to get on. And it's the empowerment to live a righteous life. And a lot of people miss that part. A lot of people think, grace, whew, pulled me out of the hole again. Pulled me out of the hole again. Pulled me out of the hole again. Thank God his amazing grace, his infinite grace, it never ends. You're right, it never ends but you're just coming out of the same hole and you're missing out the whole point. Grace is supposed to empower you to live a righteous life and accomplish the purpose and the impossibilities that God designed your life for. Are you with me? So in other words, you know, in in the Gospels, in the the New Testament, in, in 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 Paul's letters and all this stuff, we see a lot of the terms in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, okay, Like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things because I'm amazing. No, right? I can do all things through Christ Jesus, right? Everything that God has called us to do is in, through, and by Christ Jesus. Okay, We became one with Him when we were born again in our spirit. So therefore, everything we do in life, we do it together with Him. And we must not forget this, because the moment we stop acknowledging or bringing Jesus on board in everything that we do, we walk out of grace and we start walking in our own strength and our own performance and our own works and what we can do alone. And that's a very dangerous place to be in, because we will not accomplish the things he's called us to do, we will only accomplish the things that we humanly can do. And we weren't called to just do what we can do on our own. We were called to do amazing things that he called us to do. Are you with me? Okay. And so without grace, it is impossible to do all these things that he has called us to do. Okay. So let's start reading here. And um, and, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or by or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by the God Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, if you remember Paul, he was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. Okay, he had a fame of terrorizing those of the way that were following Jesus's ways. Okay, and he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the most religious one. He knew the law, you know, backwards and forwards, okay? He, he knew it, like, he was, like, at the top. Like, if he, if, no, if anybody knew what the law was and what was supposed to be done and everything, it was Paul, okay? So he was very, very educated in this. And so he had an encounter with Jesus, if you remember, right? And Jesus pretty much knocked him off his high horse, literally, right? And struck him blind, like, he had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus is like, hey, why are you persecuting me, you know? And his life changed. His life was completely turned around, right? And Paul now started preaching the Jesus whom he used to persecute, okay? And so that's why he's saying here, you know, like, I got this revelation straight from him. Like, I had an encounter with him, which is one of the reasons why we want to build a place where people have encounters with God, right? Right? That you're not just listening and receiving what I say to you, but you're receiving it from God, right? Even even when I teach the Word of God, you're supposed to receive it from the Holy Spirit. You're not, you're not to put me on a high pedestal, you know, think like, oh, he is amazing. He has so much wisdom. He is the one, like, wow, <laughs> Pastor Ben saved me. No, you know, because... I'm just being used by God, and I'm speaking His Word, and you receive the Word from the Holy Spirit. And that's the reason why the Word comes to you in a different ways that it comes to the person next to you, even though it's the same message. Because the Holy Spirit is the one interpreting and, and telling you, you know, this is what it means to you. This is what, this is how it speaks to your life, your situation, your, you know, with your context of everything that you've lived. Are you with me? Okay, and so... So, so Paul had an encounter with Jesus, and his life changed okay? And so that's what he's saying. He says, all the brothers and sisters here, join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Say with me, grace and peace, okay? Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil, evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever, amen. Verse 6. <laughs> I love how he writes. He says, I am shocked. That you're turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good, good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. So let's not be fooled, and let's not be those that are preaching other that are not really the good news. Okay, and so the good news, what are the good news? The good news of the gospel is that we are saved by grace through faith. Are you with me? That's how we're saved. You can't do enough good things to be saved. And this is the difference between all religions and Christianity. All religions are about what you have to do in order to be saved and go to heaven when you die. Because we know that there's life when we die. But where you're going to live that life depends on one thing. You know, if you're saved or you're not saved. If you're saved, you go spend eternity with Jesus. If you're not saved, well, I mean, you all know there's no in-between. Hell is real. Why don't we ever preach about hell? Because it is not God's heart, and it is not our intention to scare you into heaven. A lot of people, did any of you get saved that way? You got scared into heaven, right? Some people got scared into heaven. Yeah, let me tell you about the love of God. He's gonna send you to hell if you don't repent. Like, oh, that's very loving. Well, it's very true, but it doesn't really work that way, you know? It's, it's, God loves us so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not die but have everlasting life. Whoever what believes in Him. Not whoever does enough works, whoever behaves good enough, whoever feeds enough, you know, hungry people or shelters enough homeless people or like it's none of that. It's none of that. It's whoever believes in Jesus. That sounds so easy, right? Sounds too good to be true. You tell me that all I need to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, that he is Lord, that he is God. That's all I need to do. Put my faith in him. That is all you need to do. Those are the good news that are too good to be true, but they actually are true. See, in the world, you hear anything, and it's too good to be true, and it probably is too good to be true. You're about to get skimmed, right? <laughs> Craigslist, you know, all any kind of stuff. Like, it's too good to be true. It probably is. You know, there's like, what's the catch? But not in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of God, it's the only place where the good news are too good to be true, and they're actually true. But some people can't cope with that. They're like, no, 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 there's got to be something. Like, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And they frustrate the grace of God. God. And they go back to the law, and they go back to works, and they go, no, 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 I'm supposed to be doing more. i got to earn my way to heaven. Well, let me tell you, that will never happen. That will never happen. You can never earn your way to heaven. You can never earn your, your way to God's love. You can never earn your way to, you know, be good enough for God. Never. The standards are way too high. But that's why Jesus came and fulfilled the law for us, and he did what we could not do, so we could receive what we couldn't gain, what only he could gain for us. That's why only Jesus saves. Those are the good news that are too good to be true, but they're actually true. So that no man can ever boast, look, I made it, I got saved. There's a, a joke, this guy, you know, he died, he goes up to heaven, he's at the gate, and um, you know, the, the angel there is like, all right, well, let's see if you can get in. So, you need 100 points, 100 good points to get in, all right? All right, so, so go ahead, tell me, what should you get a point for? It's like, well, I attended church, and I never missed church. Like not on Super Bowl Sunday, not on spring break, not on summer vacation. If we were ever out, I found the church and I went to church. Like, oh, that's really great, you know. All right. Your whole life, huh? Your whole life. Yes, my whole life. All right. Okay. One point. What's next? He's like, wait, what? <laughs> One point? Need need 100. You need 99 more. He's like, okay, 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 okay. Hold on. So I was faithful to my wife. Always I never ever cheated on her like not even in my mind. Nothing like I was like perfect You know, and I even did the dishes Okay (laughs) All right, that's good for you another point. He's like what I Never cheated stole or killed anybody. Okay, good. Well, you get like a half a point there so two and a half and this guy's just starting to sweat, you know. He's like, oh, my God. I was a really good father. I was always there for my kids. Never messed up. I never disciplined them into anger. Uh, okay, you get one more point. And I also gave all my tithes and offerings. Always like, you get one more point. And the guy's like, you know, 95 points, 95 and a half points short. It's like, he's like, oh, my gosh. If this is how it's going to be, the only ways I'm getting in is by the grace of God. He's like, all right, welcome in. Uh-huh. That's the only way. That's the only way for salvation. It's through the grace of God, you know. That's, that's how our good works really measure up to God's standard. That's why he did it for us, so that all we needed to do was put our faith in Jesus, and through our faith in Jesus, now we're, we're saved, <laughs> right? We're made righteous with him. So those, t- t- say, say this with me, those are really good news. Tell the person next to you, those are really, really good news, I mean, don't you feel like lighter when you, when you know, like, you just need to believe in Jesus. That's it. Only Jesus saves. So why do we have to do all this other stuff? Okay. Well, that's called living by the principles of the kingdom of heaven. So that we can live an abundant life here on earth. You know, that's called renewing our mind. It doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything. It just means that we don't have to do anything to get saved except believe in Jesus. And so, let's continue on verse 7. It says, but it is not... But, okay, so um, verse 8 said, Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, for even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again... What we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. So Paul was pretty serious. <laughs> he was like not joking around. He's like, I don't care who it is, even if it's an angel in heaven. They preach different gospel. Let them be cursed. Like, whoa, okay. Okay. That's why I'm reading, you know, when you say this kind of stuff, you want to make sure you're reading straight out of the Bible. So. <laughs> like, pastor, who are you saying? <laughs> Mm-mm, right here, right? And so what was happening is that uh, religious Pharisees, religious uh, Judaizers, you know, people. Okay, so let me back up real quick. First of all, it all started with Abraham. That's why the Israelites were the only chosen people. But then God included everybody else too, all of us unless you're you're Jewish, right? The rest of us are Gentiles. And God included all of us in the salvation plan, you know? Jesus came to give life to all. And so that's why we now have access to the same promises and the same plan of salvation and the same new covenant that the Israelites had. So, before the new covenant, they had to they had to live by the law. They lived under the law. Under the blessing and under the cursing of the law. And so they had to fulfill all those things. So now Jesus comes, right? He resurrects. He gives Paul this commission to now go preach to the Gentiles. Say, hey, it's for everyone now. Tell them the good news. If they put their faith in Jesus, they're in. They become part of the family of God. They will have salvation. They have access to all the promises of God. And they're declared righteous by faith just like Abraham. Whoa, those are good news. Because before we weren't included. Okay? But then these zealous Jews, you know, of the law were coming over. And they were kind of like upset, you know. They're like, hey, no, 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 you know. You have to eat this way. And you have to observe the laws. And you have to observe the Sabbath. And you have to get circumcised, right? And And they were trying to impose the law over the Gentiles. And so what what, uh, Paul was upset here is that they were being contaminated. The the good news, the gospel, is being contaminated with people that were trying to impose the law on them. Are you with me? Okay. Let's continue reading here in verse uh, 9. No, no, verse 10. It says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. That is awesome, right there. He's telling him, you know, the reason I'm saying it so straight up is because I don't care what you think. <laughs> That's uh, certainly a characteristic of this church. <laughs> we don't sugarcoat things. You know, if you don't like it, hopefully you get over it <laughs> and keep coming. Truth is uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, truth, truth offends the mind. Amen. And it reveals the heart. So that's why we like to laugh a lot because we talk a lot about, you know, very serious things. And so we smile when we say these things. <laughs> Verse 11, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. instead I received a directly revelation from Jesus Christ. You know that I was like, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently, and that's not a, you know, that's a literal word. violently persecuted God's church, I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jewish Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. Verse 15. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by this marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me, so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. That is us. Unless you're Jewish, right? When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was, you know, like Peter and and those guys. Um, Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. That's all he could handle. (laughs) The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. Okay, that's Jesus' brother, James. I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. Now, let me tell you, when Paul says something like this, like I declare to you before God, this is not a lie, um, you can be sure, you can be 100% sure that he would not mess around with using his words lightly. Why? Because he'd been knocked off a horse blind before. He knew, he had the fear of God in him, that he knew he could, he would not say that. Like, he, he knew who God was. He knew his power. He knew what had happened to him. So he would never dare to say something that wasn't true or just exaggerating or something like that. Because he knew God. He had seen God. He had seen Jesus. He knows Jesus showed up to him before when he was, you know, not doing the right thing and, and killing his followers. It says, After I visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. And still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know did not know me personally. All they knew was the people, what the people were saying. The one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Now that's pretty wild because Paul was a living example of the grace of God. Right? Like, how can you go so wrong that you're killing Christians. Yeah, you're killing the very people that are preaching the good news, right? And that's exactly what he was doing, because he was religious. He was a Pharisee. He was zealous for the law. He thought he was doing the right thing. And how many times we think we're doing the right thing, right? But we're actually just kind of trying to impose our own way. And so Paul knew the grace of God better than anybody. So he was the perfect person to preach it. We've said many times how it is uh, so wild that we could we could be, you know, trying to tell people what to do and being judgmental on them as if we had earned our own way. Like we we could never earn our own way. So why would we ever impose it on somebody else? See people already know that's what we were saying last week people already know what's wrong with them people already know what um, what they've done wrong and and all those things and so why would we again shove it in their face like their sin was dealt with with jesus their shortcomings were dealt with with jesus that's it like that's not part for us to be in and trying to tell them you know like, this is wrong, and this is wrong, this is wrong. Our job is to reconcile him to the Father, and reconcile him to God. Let's keep on reading. So, so, so far, okay, we have Paul shocked because they've turned away from the good news. And if you didn't know, this is how good the, the good news are, okay? Now you know how good they are. It seems like a very easy thing to do, right? Because God didn't want anybody to, you know, to be up to them if they would, would be saved, the Bible says he wishes that none would perish. So how much easier could he put it? You know, the only thing that's really in the way of people being saved is pride. That's the—that's probably the hardest thing for people to be saved, you know, is their own pride. Maybe, maybe it's like that part of, of somebody that says, oh, I don't need anybody. I can do this on my own. Anybody has that personality around here? Don't raise your hand, right? I don't need anybody's help. You know, why would I need God? I don't need God. I'm good. I'm good. Look how successful I am. You know, I don't need God's help. You know, that's for, that's for weak people. Have you heard anybody say that? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, not even the strongest person in the world could ever make their way into heaven on their own. So it's really pride. A lot of times, you know, a, a lot of times it's the pride of like, whoa, you know, I've been in this other religion. I grew up in this religion or in this other way of living, my parents never taught me any of this, and I've lived fine my whole life this way. Why, you know, I don't need anything else. I'm good. And it's the pride that says, you know, I'm, I don't want to recognize that I've been, you know, believing something wrong. And so it's pride that is in between us and our salvation. But see, the love of God is never to say, see, you were wrong. You've been wrong all these years. See? No. Well, it's like the prodigal son. The prodigal son story makes it really clear how the father receives you when you come from being wrong. And he doesn't make you right at 50 times. I was wrong. I was wrong. You were right. You were right. He doesn't do that. <laughs> he doesn't, you know, put it in your face. He, He's just with his arms wide open saying, Welcome home. I'm glad you're here. That's it. Even the son himself, the prodigal son himself, comes and says, I, he had a story, he had a whole speech, he's like, I'm going to tell him that I'm sorry, that I was wrong, that, that what I did, blah, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to tell him everything, and it's almost as if the father, when he comes, the father's like, shh shh, 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 I'm just glad you're home, welcome, that's it. Is that too good to be true? Yes, it is too good to be true, but he's about the only one that can pull it off. And so in that safety, that's the same kind of safety that we need to provide to people for them to feel safe, not judged, not condemned, not you've been wrong your whole life, welcome to the family of God. No. <laughs> but religion does that, right? The religious do that stuff. And, and so how do we make sure that we're not religious? How, how do we make sure that we're not... Acting in that same manner, in that same way, you know, and making people do things just because, you know, we want to see something different. Force our way in, you know, or make a point. All right. Am I religious? Let me tell you something. I have been weeding out religion out of me for years. I grew up in religion you know this was ingrained in me you know do this and do this and do this and you know and then and then you'll earn and then you'll be worthy of it and then but that's not God and so anytime I'm going to say something or do something or confront something or someone you know I I do this check of my heart like you know is this the love of God you know is this what grace looks like? Is this is this his love, you know, or is this just me trying to make a point, you know? Is this just me trying to make him pay a price because I paid a price, even though maybe I didn't have to, but I paid it anyway, so I'm going to make you pay a price too, you know? So whenever I am looking for to do something to earn salvation or to belong, or I'm trying to do, 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 Uh, things for identity, or for earning the promises of God, or to earn His love, or to earn His righteousness, or to earn, you know, to be holy enough, or anything like that. That's that's performance. That's works. See, and, and I'm not saying that works are completely out of the picture. No, there is a part that we need to do, right? Because faith without works is dead. So there's an action that comes because, right, because we, um, because we love, because we, we choose to follow him. But <clears throat> let, let me read a little bit. I have a few more minutes here. This is in chapter two. It says, the, then 14, year, 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. So he was humble enough to say, hey, here I am. You guys walked with Jesus. I'm in here for a check. Let's make sure that, you know, I'm not missing anything. And it says, and they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. So that's a good sign because, you know, that was not needed anymore under the new covenant. Under the law, they were required to be circumcised, but he was a Gentile. He was never even a Jew, you know, and now they were not under the law anymore. So he's like, why would they do that? But they didn't. So he's like, that's good. They didn't demand that Titus be circumcised. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones, really, who were secretly brought in, they sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. Eating, right? Kosher eating, circumcision, uh, the Sabbath, the, the law, and all those things. Says, But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. Now, can you imagine? Like, you've got to be pretty bold and crazy. Are you circumcised? <laughs> what is wrong with these people? Like, I'm just being real, I've thought through this stuff. I'm like, how did like that's just wrong? You know, let me tell you, religion will make you do weird things. <laughs> wrong things. Religion will make you cross lines you were never supposed to cross. <laughs> says, And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. So, he was doing good. By the way, the reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. You know, I just want to make a parenthesis here. You know, God is amazing how he uses us in the areas we're weak because Paul was an expert in the law. He was a Jew. He could have perfectly spoken to uh, to the Jews because that's that was his area of expertise, okay? And Peter, he was a fisherman. Well, he could have gone and preached to the Gentiles and, you know, totally casual, like, you know, relate to them. But instead, God said... Peter to the Jews, and Paul to the Gentiles, where their strength wasn't really the highlight, it was really their weakness. But the Bible also says that, you know, that's where he becomes strong, is in our weaknesses. And imagine how Peter, being with a background of a fisherman, also offend the mind of the religious Jews. It's like God likes to shake things up. Because the heart speaks. The heart is shown when the mind is offended. That's why we do it so much. Offend the mind sometimes, right? Oh, you didn't like that. Okay. Sorry. It says, in fact, James... Peter and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. Um, If I could just... um, paraphrase you what happened next at the end of chapter 2 there. Um, they go up to meet with, uh, with some people in Antioch, I believe that's where it was, and, uh, and Peter and Paul both go up there, and Paul confronts Peter because he acts different in front of a different group of people. And he calls them a hypocrite. Um, Peter was fine with them, right? In that scenario, with those people. But when they went up and they were with the other Jews and they were with these other, you know, uh, maybe more religious people, he pulled himself away and stopped eating with them and went to only eat with the other group of people, as in observing the law. And so, what happens there is that you know Paul gets upset, and he's like, "Hey, why are you, why are you acting different here than than there? Why are you acting, you know, in a different way? Why are you uh, like almost being a different person?" And he was actually a stumbling block for Titus. For Titus, you know. And so, what I want to finish with is, is saying this. Um, Let's be the same person everywhere we go. Because that hypocrisy can make other people stumble, you know. It's as if I am really good friends with you here and, you know, we talk normal, but then we show up to another pastor's meeting and then in that pastor's meeting, you know, I I don't even salute you and I don't even greet you because I don't mix with normal people. <laughs> you would be like that, that's He's a hypocrite. Why is he like, you know, doing, why? Because religion makes you do weird things. You know, religion, if you get nothing else, this is, this is it. Religion is defined by the fear of man, right? I'm like, like the fear of man will make you do things that you wouldn't normally do under the fear of God or under the grace of God, right? Under the grace of God, we experience freedom, but under religion, it's almost like we're, we're trapped in the fear of man and now we're conscious of people and we're conscious of man and we're conscious of what people are going to say, right? So you know the gospel, but then you go to school or you go to work and you act different. That's religious. You're conforming. You're not being the same person. You're not walking in the same freedom that you've experienced. We're gonna pick up. Uh, it gets more interesting. Paul starts calling him more weird things and names, you know. So don't miss next time. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it out here. And I want to pray. And I and I want us to just ask the Holy Spirit real quick. You know, where am I being religious in my life? You know, where where do I ever try to mix in the law again? Right? And am I religious about this? And let me say something, a lot of the things that we do under the new covenant might look the same on the outside as we would have done under under the law, but the motivation of the heart is what changes everything, okay? Let me say that again, the motivation of the heart is what actually changes everything because, you know, a lot of people go, oh great, we're now under the new covenant, under grace, I don't have to tithe or give, great. Because that was a, a thing of the Old Testament, like, no, you're looking for reasons now to, to act out of what God is saying, to act out of kingdom kingdom principles now. So, it's, it's not an excuse to do what we want to do. Grace empowers us to do what is right. See, our righteousness comes, and, and this is, from the next next couple chapters but our righteousness comes from our faith in Jesus that's it our faith in Jesus makes us righteous and then that grace empowers us to live a righteous life and actually produce righteous works but they're not to earn righteousness we're already righteous we're already forgiven so therefore we can live out of a place of righteousness not earning a place of righteousness, and there's a big difference in that. In one, there's freedom because you're already righteous. In the other one, there's stress and there's fear because you're trying to earn it. And so I want to pray. And and if and if you've never received Jesus in your heart, if you um, if you've never Invite him to come. Or maybe, maybe you've just been under religion for so many years, you know, and, and just doing works and doing a, a laundry list of things and, and actions. And what Jesus wants to say to you is like, hey, there's a better way. There's, uh, it's by faith only. You don't have to work so hard. And it's okay. Nobody's going to tell you you were wrong, you were wrong, you were wrong, and, and, and tell you, you know, shove it in your face. No. Like, he's just going to love you in and he's going to receive you, and it's going to put a ring in a robe, and it's going to call you son, and going to call you a daughter, and that's how the Father receives you, and it's in the same heart, because maybe many of you are saved already, but it's the same heart, and it's the same message that we want to express people that we meet, you know, everywhere. Are you religious? Yes, but I mean, no, I'm a Christian, but Jesus loves you, like he's not condemning you, it's easier than you think. The good news are better than you think. And so, Father, I thank you for everybody here this morning. I thank you that you give us a revelation of grace, and we just pray that you show us in... That you show us, God, if there's places in our life where we're still being religious, where we're trying to uphold the law, where we're putting the law on ourselves or on other people, that you just reveal that to us this morning, God. And... Um, and I want to give an opportunity for anybody who's never accepted Jesus in their heart, who's never really said yes to the good news of the gospel. Um, or maybe you're rededicating your life to the Lord. You're like, yeah, I, I, I was like that prodigal son. I was away, and, but I'm back. And so I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me out loud. And Jesus, you just need to believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. And say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross in my place, for paying my price. Thank you for loving me. I repent from all my sins and ask you to wash me with the blood. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And with your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I just want to ask you to raise your hand right there where you're at. Just say, yep, yeah, that's me. I never knew about these good news that were so good to be true, and now I know. Just raise your hand right there. You know, it takes humility. It takes putting pride by the side and saying no more to pride. Thank you for that hand. You can put it down. Thank you for that hand. You can put it down. All right, who else in this place? You know, there's people who say, I've never heard the good news, and today, you know, I hear the good news. And not only do I receive it, but I will also tell others about it. Maybe you rededicate your life to Jesus. You have been walking away from Him or you've not been walking in the grace that He has for you. If that's you, just put your pride by the side and raise your hand right where you're I'm not going to embarrass you or make you do anything you don't want to do. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. You can put it down. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. The grace of God is amazing. And the grace of God feels like love. So if you didn't feel love when it came to God, if you feel judgment or condemnation, that was not God. His grace feels like love. And if you feel his love right now like you haven't felt before, you know that that means that you're receiving that. You're receiving that gospel. You're receiving those good news. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Thank you for that hand. You can put it down. All right. Everybody else stand up. Give the Lord praise. He's so good. Prayer team come up front. James, come up. Hi, this is Pastor Ben Diaz. Thank you so much for watching our YouTube video. I hope it was a blessing to you. If it was, go ahead and give it a like and maybe share it with a friend. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can receive notifications when new videos come up or when we go live. Also, in the description below, you'll be able to find our social media pages, our website, and other resources that might be helpful for you. Have a good one.